Welcome to the Modern MBA podcast with Marie Kerwin and Kristen Rossi. Our mission is to help MBAs coming from, going into, or merely considering more unorthodox career paths. We're a community to find inspiration and share stories. Today we're speaking with Adam Mapani. He spent most of his career at Moorfield Eye Hospital, championing therapies that save eyesight. He talks to us about his journey, the impact of his work, and why he's doing an executive MBA at Warwick Business School. Um, so Adam, can I start off by asking you just to introduce yourself? So tell us your name, where you're from, and where you did your MBA. Sure. So my name is Adam Mapani. Uh, I'm currently uh, in my final year of my executive MBA at Warwick Business School. And I'm in Court 7 uh, at the Shad in London. Fantastic. Thank you very much. So for those who aren't aware, Warwick offers um, a couple of different options for the MBA. You can do it at Warwick, but then you also have the, the campus based in London at, at the Shard, right? Yes. Um, so you started your career um, in the field of healthcare, and in fact, you continued in that field as well. Um, but you started off um, specifically in, in ophthalmology. Um, and I just wondered if you could give us sort of a brief overview of those those early years of your career. Yeah. So uh, my journey into ophthalmology was inspired uh, partly by my parents when they first ever visited the UK on my graduation from the nursing school. I took them to the opticians. Uh, They had a pair of glasses as part of their routine visit, and that made a huge difference. And when I took them home in the evening, they could do things that they couldn't do before. And since then, I also aspired to make a difference in the sector of eyesight. And I joined Morfield Eye Hospital in 2003 uh, as a junior nurse, went through my ophthalmic training and uh, went through a number of rigorous training uh, options as a retinal screener. I also worked as an advanced clinical nurse specialist. I was responsible for leading the team through a lot of uh, exciting projects, uh, change management projects, and also patient care as part of service innovation. Well, that's fantastic. And I love that your, I guess, your journey started off at like such a, such a personal level. I think, um, uh, the other side of the story, uh, in my early uh, years of my career, what was really um, inspiring as well is the sort of mentors and leaders that I had at that personal journey level. And uh, having joined Morfield Eye Hospital, so for those of you who don't know, Morfield Eye Hospital is one of the largest eye institutes in Europe, uh, providing eye care and research and innovation. Uh, in central London, uh, Old Street Station. Uh, when I joined them, uh, I was surrounded by very good mentors, uh, coaches, academics, and clinicians who supported me in the early days as a junior colleague. And part of that training as well, I had a huge amount of exposure to different clinical pathway, leadership opportunities, also leading and transforming the team up to the time I became the first ever nurse consultant in Moorfield. 
I think that's really, um, I think what you said there about mentorship is is just so powerful, like, especially early on in your career as well. I think you're so, um, it's such like a formative time. The people that you work with can really shape like your behavior and your abilities for years to come. Yes. So you also, um, a significant achievement in your career journey is the campaigning and policy work that you've done, um, which ensured the rollout of site-saving injections in the NHS. Um, Can you just tell us a bit more about that work and also how you got involved in it and how you managed that experience? Thank you. So how I got involved to be working at advanced level. So the journey starts from a very modest background uh, when I came into more fields for training and um, I think as part of my career journey, surrounded by very good mentors and clinical leaders, I saw some very good opportunities within the medical retina subspecialty. And the medical retina subspecialty, in fact, the whole ophthalmology service, uh, they are first with growing demands of patients requiring their services. They are also first with shortage of medical staff. And I saw quite a number of these uh, factors as probably what I would describe as a good crisis because it helped me and my colleagues to maneuver, to break barriers, to also penetrate some of the areas that were predominantly dominated by the medical workforce. So in LS 2006, uh, whilst I was working as a charge nurse, I was involved with quite a lot of self-transformation projects, being the first nurse to set up some nest-led clinics. I was also involved with teaching and education and leading the team through uh, some form of inspiring innovations. And then in 2013, as a result of that work, I was then appointed as the first ever nest consultant at Moorfields Hospital. And this followed a period of extensive training and development, if you want, to lead the medical retina team. So uh, one of the things that happened in 2008, uh, there was the discovery of what we call ocular injections and VGF injections in the management of age-related macular degeneration, which is a disease that affects the elderly population And prior to that, there were limited treatment options. So when these injections were licensed by the governmental board NICE, uh, there were fewer uh, medical retina specialists, as in doctors, to support and to deliver sight-saving therapies. So I saw an opportunity again advocating for nurses to deliver those treatments advocating, working with patient societies, working with Moorfield clinical leaders and some of the uh, clinical leaders within the ophthalmology well and within the ophthalmology community. And how I then got involved with delivering injections was that um, as part of these collaborative efforts, advocating with policymakers to support the initiative for training nurses and allied healthcare professionals, uh, the service was finally approved at Moorfields in 2012. It was supported by the Royal College of Ophthalmologists, and we successfully implemented the first nest-led intravitreal injections across the trust. And this led, as you know, as you can imagine, uh, very influential uh, think tankers in terms of policymakers 
uh, both locally, nationally, and to a certain extent globally, to accept non-doctors administering injection. And what was really interesting with this model of care is the safety outcomes that uh, colleagues and patients were worried about. It was much, it was even safer, uh, better clinical outcomes, patient experience, uh, leading nurses or nurses leading on the delivery of those treatments. And then from there, I received a lot of, of inquiries about how we had set up uh, with colleagues, uh, you know, the nurse-led intravitreal injection service. And these inquiries came fine beyond uh, borders around the world, uh, here in the UK. And I started building a course that could train other practitioners uh, to deliver those therapies. Because, look, patients were waiting for six months for treatment. And we managed to significantly lower that waiting time from six months to two weeks. Not only that, we were also demonstrating safety and positive patient experience. And this model uh, has taken me to 15 countries, 15 nations of the world. I've managed to also lead uh, my colleagues here in the UK in most eye clinic departments. Wow, that's just incredible. I'm going to come back to um, your points about overseas experience in a second, but I just wanted to say how how incredibly impressive that is and also how rewarding it must be given that, because it's I think it's quite a common cause of blindness, right? So the number of people, like the number of lives that are positive, positively affected by this is, is just amazing. It is. Um, if you look at the statistics in the UK, uh, age-related macular degeneration or eye ocular-related problems like age-related macular degeneration, diabetic eye disease, it's quite common. And for age-related macular degeneration, we have at least 40,000 new cases per year. And given the fact that these therapies had already demonstrated through clinical trials that they would increase significantly the quality of adjusted life years in improving visual function, uh, waiting, keeping patients waiting uh, was not a good thing. Uh, patients were so anxious and they needed those therapies to be de- delivered in a timely manner. And I think for me, what was really satisfying is how we came together as a society, how we came together as a group of professionals to, uh, to, uh, to, to inspire uh, this good cause to ensure that we deliver treatment in a timely manner when you think about the impact you've made, I mean, you know, so many people, that's what they want to do with their life is to make an impact. And, you know, you at such such a young age have done so much. So it's really quite impressive. You mentioned that um, the work you've done is taking you to, I think, 15 countries. Um, just tell us a bit about um, how that sort of came about and what you were doing. Was it all voluntary work or were you um, were you like actually spending some, um, some time like, working in those countries as well? Yeah, so so the journey into uh, into the international uh, sort of global uh, space uh, in terms of either just raising the profile of the organization, the good work that we're doing in the UK, I think it all started by getting invitations to speak, uh, getting uh, some uh, some of the communities uh, getting excited with our work. So my first ever international trip was actually in uh, in Ireland and uh, Sweden, where I presented some of the early results in terms of uh, innovations here in the UK with advanced practice. And then from there, uh, because we'd managed to uh, demonstrate 
uh, some form of a clinical leadership in terms of the work that we're doing here in the UK, locally in my own organization. So inquiries were coming, but I also saw opportunities in breaking some professional boundaries on some of those international symposium that were predominantly sort of dominated by our medical colleagues, uh, like some of them that I attended in America, the of um, the uh, um, the AVO Association for Research and Vision and Ophthalmology. Uh, the first time I visited that meeting was in Seattle, and it was all about sharing practice, best practice with others. And then uh, since then, it has taken me to other countries like Saudi Arabia, South Africa, and so forth. But so this was within the sort of professional sphere, uh, sharing best practice, being invited. But then the other uh, thing about my journey as well, uh, I'm originally uh, from Zimbabwe. I was born in Zim, and that is my country of birth. I also saw an opportunity to pay back in the community that I grew up. So my colleagues and I volunteered our time through a charity known as Abalon Trust, which is an international charity that provides IK in Africa and the Caribbean. I'm a volunteer trustee there. Uh, so we've done some eye camps in Zimbabwe, in Kenya, and Uganda uh, for those who have not received IK or underserved marginalized communities. So this was, again, about making a difference in showing uh, some form of leadership, reaching out to others, uh, communities, improving education among its nurses and other professional uh, 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 professional bodies. So that was a bit of a gen again around voluntary philanthropic work. That's really exciting. And it must be, I mean, it's great for you to, again, as we said about, you know, extending that impact. That's amazing. But it must also be a really good learning opportunity as well to kind of to be able to connect with with so many like professionals across the globe and to, to do this voluntary work too. Yes. Um, and I think in the world of networking, you're absolutely correct. Not only that we are able to share, but we are also able to learn from others. So along my journey, I've learned a lot uh, from networking from others, uh, from other countries, from other departments here in the UK, uh, the knowledge, the skills, uh, the findings, which can be either in form of new research, new evidence, but also things that can also stimulate us as professional colleagues, how to develop in our own individual colleagues. Some of the greatest ideas that I've come up with is in some of those meetings that I've been to, whether it's in Africa, at the uh, Ophthalmology Society of South Africa in Cape Town I was a few years ago, or whether in one of the European meetings or in America, uh, it gives a lot of uh, kind of like fresh thinking when you network with others. And then there's also uh, something, again, about following on those networks. And one of the most beautiful things, again, uh, over time and again and again, having worked in ophthalmology for this amount of time, we've also managed to follow some of the networks, build some very good networks, uh, some of them have been to uh, our organizations and have been also to their organizations. We've also managed to exchange some ideas on how we could make a difference in uh, educating the future leaders, the future workforce, and those upcoming uh, rising stars so that we ensure that in the system there's continuous uh, professionals who are readily trained, ready to take the challenge to the next level.
What has brought you to the MBA and what role do you see it playing in your career? Thank you very much. That's a very good, interesting question. I think uh, joining the MBA, uh, the decision to enroll for an MBA uh, was a very uh, difficult one. Uh, partly because I was looking also for opportunities to progress in my own individual career pathway. So having sat down with my uh, mentors, uh, one of them who studied an MBA at Warwick Business School, um, with a chief executive in the NHS, I saw some opportunities to uh, retrain, uh, some opportunities to further my uh, my ambition through uh, undertaking an executive MBA. So I am then enrolled for an executive MBA uh, in the summer of 2020. But another thing as well that partly caused that acceleration, that desire to uh, learn, that desire to find more information, I, was, I thought about uh, you know progression as a leader. Having done all these things in ophthalmology in the careers I mentioned, I thought uh, an MBA would be natural progression for me, and uh, building on that, I would also be able to uh, develop, share, and inspire others, because these options, they tend to be limited for colleagues in healthcare. So that's how sort of I was inspired to do the MBA. And what was also coming as a pandemic, as a result of the pandemic in our clinical environment, I also thought that uh, it was time for me to also self-evaluate some of my skills, uh, looking at the time element to it. Uh, the option that I chose to start my MBA is an, an evening mod, uh, which means that every Tuesday and Wednesday, I have to stay into London up to 9, 9.15, 9.30, and um, having to, again to be expected to work the following day. So I also considered those things uh, very carefully, but with the desire to learn, with the desire to improve myself so that I can become a better leader. How has it been so far? And you're saying you're talking, you're, you've mentioned that you are studying at nighttime. What has been the experience like for you working in the NHS, doing an exec MBA? And what has been, what are the kind of the hardest, but also the most enjoyable parts? So I'll start with the positives. <laughs> so for the positive. I think I naturally have an inquisitive mind. I always want to learn new information. I'm always ready for the next challenge. Uh, in my class, Court 7, um, which is a London, uh, the London uh, Court at, at the Shad, uh, we are quite, I'm, quite, I'm quite lucky enough to be surrounded by good leaders in that class uh, from all sorts of different backgrounds, finance, legal, uh, some are, you know, business chief executives, uh, some are uh, working in IT, technology, all sorts of background, and some are healthcare, I've also met some healthcare colleagues. And what's really interesting is the opportunity to learn from each other during the modules. And uh, one thing that I actually appreciate in MBA is also about networking, learning from each other. And for every module, Again, reflecting on the modules that we've done so far, I think there's about eight core modules. So we've done six so far, I mean, seven so far, one more to go. And after of those seven, uh, it, it has been interesting from organizational behavior and currently we're doing operational management. And for every module, I've learned a lot. I've learned to be uh, new theories, new ideas, 
whether it's economics for the business environment, where I learn a lot about macro, micro factors, whether it's marketing, uh, leadership and strategies that I enjoy the most, uh, leadership and also accounting and financial management. I think it sort of gives you a different perspective for someone coming from healthcare background. And the other thing also I learned, I, I love about it is that uh, it has changed my thinking. It has changed the way how I perceive things in my workplace, uh, in my own sort of social ambitions. I'm involved with charities. And for every module, again, I've been uh, lucky enough to apply the learning uh, in different areas to uh, make a difference and also to become a better leader, being able to change the status quo, being able to uh, inspire other colleagues, other leaders who are coming. Now, these are sort of the positives. And the group that I'm in is highly dynamic, highly sociable. We continuously engage. We continuously ask each other to become, you know, those better leaders. But then there are negatives. I'm doing an executive MBA on top of multiple, numerous responsibilities, ranging from family commitments, work commitments, and other engagements that I've been involved with. And then on top of that, there's the pandemic that has been in the background. So it's been really challenging, I must say, uh, uh, you know, night schooling, uh, being away from family, being uh, getting home late, uh, waking up very early the following day on a Wednesday, uh, make, missing up some of the sort of social kind of like uh, family uh, gatherings is really, really hard. And uh, it has also taken such of my weekend away, uh, making sure that I also contribute to group work, teamwork. And the other challenging that I personally experienced as well was that uh, when the pandemic sort of worsened, especially in January this year, uh, when we're getting into another lockdown, uh, I was also expected to uh, make a difference uh, in the area of vaccination. So I volunteered as a vaccine champion uh, in this sort of uh, black minority ethnic groups where there was a little bit of residence in the uptake of vaccines. So I gave up quite a bit of my time raising awareness, uh, challenging uh, some of my community colleagues to ensure that uh, there is more awareness, there's more education and knowledge about vaccines. And that took quite a lot of time. Uh, at the background of this, I was doing marketing. So that, again, was a huge challenge. And there are some modules that I would also honestly say they do throw uh, uh, some of us out, especially if you are coming from a non-commercial background. So one of such is the accounting and financial management, <laughs> which I can honestly say I've not done finances at all. I've never done accounting uh, yeah. in my career life. So that, again, was a challenge. That is always the one everyone always says. <laughs> Accounting and finance. The final question is, what advice would you give to other healthcare professionals considering an MBA? I would say uh, the perfect advice, I would say um, once that comes into your thought process, I think you ought to congratulate yourself for thinking about it. And... Uh, then the next step is to sort of evaluate so many things. One of such is time commitment and 
and other responsibilities, which could be family, work, and so forth. But try also to question yourself, why giving up your evenings to undertake an MBA? Why giving up your precious time? And what is it that you want to see as the outcome of, or as a result of undertaking an executive MBA or an MBA? So I think those are questions I think that one needs to ask. But also see opportunities on the sort of positive spectrum. So an MBA, arguably, it does not necessarily make you a good leader, but the learning from it, the networking from it, and also the exposure that comes with it, I think it will make you a reasonably good leader as a result of that income. That's really good. Actually, and one other question. So this made me think when you're talking about, you know, are you, you know, why are you doing the MBA and think about why are you losing your weekends? You chose to do it. Do you have any tips for resilience? You know, when it really got hard, when it really gets hard, what are sort of your three tips to remain resilient? So my three tips to remain resilient is uh, one uh, the desire to become a better person, uh, the better person in acquiring new knowledge, new information. And my second sort of resilience that I need to uh, also want is to is to is to also uh, you know inspire others. So I see this as an opportunity because in my class there's very few of us from healthcare. In fact, there's only two. And if I go back to my colleagues, my wonderful colleagues in the NHS, lots of great minds, great talents. So that is that inspiration to make a difference so that I could also inspire others, it also come in as a resilience. I think the third thing is, uh, I think is also what you get it from the MBA. So when the going gets tough, I'm always quite, uh, you know, uh, I'm always quite positive that once I've done my, my MBA, I think there's going to be better opportunities, better things to come at the end of the journey. And then lastly, for my family as well, who are always a very supportive. That's all for today's Modern MBA podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Marie. If you like this episode, remember to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And you can get access to articles and more great content by visiting our website, themodernmba.co.uk, or you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. Until next time, bye! Bye! Bye!